Welcome to Civil Discourse. This podcast will use government documents to illuminate the workings of the American government and offer context around the effects of government agencies in your everyday life. And now your hosts, Nia Rogers, public affairs librarian, and Dr. John Augenbaugh, political science professor. Hey, Augie. Good morning, Nia. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, uh, not bad, because uh, I, I feel fairly certain over roughly the next half hour, 45 minutes, um, I'm going to be uh, wildly entertained um, <laughs> by by, <laughs> by your face um, <laughs> as we we discuss for uh, the second time. This is the uh, second part of a two part uh, episode, uh, um, if you will, on um, uh, uh, asset forfeiture. Okay. Okay. So when last we left listeners, mm-hmm. a gentleman had been arrested for a small possession, small amount of drugs, and, and it had a non-felony possession. possession. Then the government wanted to take his truck. Yep. Fine state of Indiana. That yeah. is one of the problems that I have with this law. Is that, And I'm glad the Supremes weighed in and said, no, 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 wait a minute. There's a, such a thing as too much. Too much, yes. You, you shouldn't – they shouldn't be able to strip your entire life of whatever. Like when last we left, Augie was jaywalking across <laughs> the street in his leather shoes. And the, and the government says, well, we're going to seize your leather shoes. But what if they had said you were jaywalking in front of your house and they had said, we're going to take your house too. Or we're going to take your – you know what I mean? Like – yes. It is scary that there that until the Supreme said, "Wait, there's a line." There didn't seem to really be a line, and it's easy when somebody is a bad person, right? It's easy when when it's Nordic yeah, because in our- and he's selling massive amount of drugs, and he's also abusing his people, and he's a violent monster, right? Okay, uh, what is that guy with the hippos? Um, I have no idea. Famous drug, famous drug lord, um, es- es- uh, Escobar. Escobar. Yeah. Um, he had he imported hippos from to South America, and now there's nothing to kill them because there's no natural predator for a hippo in South America. Anyway, whole separate issue. But like him, I wouldn't mind. I'd be like, well, that dude was a terrible dude, right? He did all these terrible things. Yeah, because we discussed that in the previous episode that. When you think about asset forfeiture, I mean, in theory, it makes a lot of sense. If you're trying to prevent uh, criminals um, from engaging in criminal behavior, you might want to provide them an incentive to think twice because, yeah, before doing it. And one of the ways is you might want to go and tell, you know, you're going to lose everything, right? Um, and, and if these are truly bad people, right? I mean, you gave the example of former uh, Panamanian dictator Manuel Nor- Noriega. I mean, by all accounts, from the time we, we being the United States, put him into office until we finally, you know, forced him out of office, he sold, you know, drugs. And he ran human trafficking trafficking, stuff, uh, guns. I mean, he was just a 
he was a bad person, was, and he yeah. and he propped up his regime in part because of all the illegal, you know, of, of all the assets. Right. Okay. He stole from people. That he and, stole and from that people. He, and that he acquired. That he acquired, right? Okay. But when you're talking about in in, uh, in the case that we mentioned last episode, Tim's versus Indiana. I mean, we're talking about a guy uh, who was convicted on a non-felony possession charge, right? In other words, and I forget what drug he had, whether it was marijuana or, you know, whatever the case may be. This is a guy who more than likely recreationally used drugs, okay? He got, you know, gets pulled over for a traffic stop, okay? Um, the cops find that he had a small amount of drugs, not enough to qualify for the intent to distribute, okay? But then the cops, what did he have, Nia? He had $225 worth of, I haven't found the drugs yet, but the Land Rover was worth 42000 Okay. So that's the... Okay, at that point, the ratio here right. between what he possessed and what the state of Indiana wanted to take, okay, just struck us as gratuitous, over the top. Except I, I fibbed. I fibbed. Pleaded guilty in Indiana State Court to dealing in a controlled substance and conspiracy to commit theft. At the time of Tim's arrest, police seized a Land Rover SUV he had purchased with $12,000 with money that he has received from an insurance policy when his father died. Yes. Having a bad... Yeah, bad period. Um, and... Yeah, okay, so um, observing that Tim's had recently purchased a vehicle for more than four times the maximum $10,000 monetary fine accessible against him for his drug conviction, the trial court denied the state's request to, mm. to take his truck. Yeah. Like, yeah. they wanted to over-punish him. Yes, okay. And and what, know, gonna, and what we're going to what we're going to talk and, about and this is a moral question of where where you know Bernie Madoff took destroyed the the holdings of a lot of older retired folk. Oh, he 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 wiped out retirement funds, which I would argue is a far worse crime than two hundred and twenty five dollars worth of drugs that you're carrying around with you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, so when I found has to come in here somewhere. I mean, so when you know when it was announced that Bernie Madoff was going to have to return over $180 billion worth of assets, okay? I had absolutely no problem with it whatsoever because he <clears throat> he destroyed retirement funds. Right. Retirement funds of working class individuals, okay, who all of a sudden woke up one morning and, was, and, and, and were told, you have nothing. Right. Okay? You have nothing. You okay. have to work till you drop because you're yeah. not going to be able to retire. So, so what what so we're going to talk about this my episode? Frustration with with the state is, I think the state becomes overzealous if there's no governor on that. If there's no, no limit, measure, yeah, yeah. limit. Thank you. If there's no limit to what you can do, then the state's greed could potentially get in the way of yeah. what is actually justice. So what we're going to talk about, what we're going to talk about, listeners, this episode, 
are criticisms of asset forfeiture programs. And, 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 and we want to be very clear about this. And this was one of the more stunning things as we begin to do research on these programs. Okay. Everybody hates this. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it is truly remarkable. You in the first sentence of Augie's notes for the criticism, he mentions the ACLU and the Koch brothers in the same sentence. And, and you know if those two groups are aligned <laughs> in any way with criticisms, then, I, then there's some pretty serious. Nia, types. I got I, I Nia, I, I, I got to admit, as I was <laughs> hyping that sentence, I was just like. I'm pretty sure I've never put those two groups <laughs> together in the same sentence right. in all the years that I've been doing research say, and teaching. back on every slide you've ever taught, you're not sure that there's a sentence that's included both of those groups. Yep. Okay, so um, you're talking about both. Sorry, for people who don't know, the ACLU is the American Civil Liberties Union, which is a, a very liberal progressive organization. Um, for anybody who doesn't know, the Koch brothers um, have a Koch brothers foundation. They are very conservative. So these are two opposite end of the political spectrum without being the the truly insane people at the complete far ends. But yeah. they, are, they are sort of the what one would say would be a a normal conservative and a normal liberal organization both coming together to say wait a minute these programs uh, hold on just a second here this doesn't seem to be good yeah these programs need to be reformed right Why, what are the what is the main problem for li you see well i mean i i i think we should go ahead and and uh um uh, you know target or not target, but to uh, describe uh, both sides of the ideological spectrum. For liberals, they have produced yeah, – I, I stopped wading through them. I think there's easily a couple dozen studies. Yeah, okay? if he stops reading, you know, it's because he's, he's gotten the point well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my eyes were growing later. blurry. I mean, and the <laughs> conclusions, okay, were roughly the same. There is significant evidence that asset forfeiture programs – um, statistically over-target poor people and people of color, okay? And it makes in, sense. In, they don't have any way to defend themselves yes. in government proceedings. Often, those folks cannot afford a lawyer, especially uh, poor people cannot afford a lawyer, and they – and so they're stuck trying to navigate that system where Augie explained in the last episode and briefly that it's 181 days – before you motions before you, before you get, get to get to court right right and so you if you're not a person who can afford to retain an attorney to do all that yes okay you're probably going to end up just forfeiting the the asset so the process requires resources from people okay who don't have a lot of resources and what's being targeted okay is in many instances their only asset. It right. could be a car, which is their only asset. It could be a home that has been handed down in generations, and it's the only asset that that family or person actually owns, right? right? So as a percentage of their wealth, it is... Oh, it is ex you know extremely high. Significant compared yeah. to... 
to wealthy people. The other thing is, and, and I want to put a plug in here for, if you don't know the system, oh, right, that has a huge effect. We talk about that with people who come to university as first-generation students. Yes. And how hard it is for them because they don't know the system and there's nobody in their family who can walk them through the system. And if you think academia is not a system, it's because you've never registered to take a class, right? There's a yes. whole system involved in this. And if you don't know how to do it, you're going to – probably have a really hard time with it so that's another part of this is is if you're talking about an educational gap in terms of how you even navigate the 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 government and or the legal system and also people who are um people of color and poor people have had i would imagine many more instances of negative interactions with this system. So they already white people, people have. Yeah. So, you know, these individuals already believe the system is stacked against them. And, okay. And and now that's they're not without some reason. Yeah. And and now they are like, okay. Really? You can take my car, my you only way to get to work, my only way to get my kid to daycare. Yeah. Or, you know, you can take my house, right? Where am I, you know, Am I supposed to go? Right. Yeah. Am I supposed to be on the street while I'm supposed to attend multiple court appearances even before the trial? Right. Okay. And they're using, you know, they're using words like, okay, well, we're suing the asset. We're not suing you. Huh? What does it, what does that mean? Right. I mean, think about how long it took you and I to describe that the civil process, okay. The person's not being sued. The asset's being sued, right? right? That was, what, 10 minutes in the last Yeah, episode. I mean, you know. And you're that's most... somebody who's patiently explaining it. Yes, yes. That's not a government bureaucrat who's like, I don't. it's not my problem that you don't understand. Okay. Conservatives, okay, hate asset forfeiture because they think it's a violation of either due process. You're taking away one's property before due process i mean because again think before about i've been found guilty of something yeah before civil you know with civil forfeiture okay the asset can be taken before you even get to court right or they believe it violates the takings clause okay because your property your assets being taken and by the way you're not being offered just compensation, compensation. Right. right okay now, that said, and yeah. from the conservative point of view, property mm. is tied to freedom. It's tied to social position. It's tied, for the founders. It was tied to actually getting to vote, getting to have your voice heard. Like there's a standing thread. in society is right. rooted in property, right? That, that thread and, runs through the conservative. Uh, uh, DNA in our country since before the founding, right? right? Okay. So you're I mean, talking about a fundamental. Yeah, I mean, you're talking life, about liberty and property. Property, you you're know, trying to deprive me of one of the three—that's unacceptable. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, th- you know, you, this flows from John Locke, social contract, 
yada, 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 right? So it makes sense. I mean, even I think it's wonderful that they have what we would call in the Supreme Court a concurrence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You've, right. you've reached the right conclusion for the wrong reason, but we're still, we're still there. Yeah, we're, we're still, still there on the conclusion. Yeah, right. Okay, we're still there. Unfortunately, for critics of asset forfeiture, there are two rather important groups that push back against any effort to get rid of these programs. And by the way, we could get rid of these programs in law because I was they're say, Congress could fix that, right? Congress could fix it. A state legislature could fix it. Unfortunately, okay. But why would they? Okay, one. State and local governments in general love these programs. And the reason why is asset forfeiture uh, uh, programs generate huge sums of money, which means that elected officials then Nia, don't have to turn around and do what? Raise your taxes. Raise taxes, right? Read my lips. No new taxes. New taxes, right? There are very few politicians that ever win elections or win re-elections. Guess what? what? Next week I'm going to raise your taxes. Isn't that fun? Yeah. Yeah. No. yeah. Vote for me, and I'm going to raise your taxes. Yeah, huh? What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. I wasn't paying attention until you said that, but now I know I'm going to vote against you. For most people. Yeah. Unless that, you can make a good argument for, right? If we raise everybody's taxes a little bit, then we'll get this really cool thing. And people oftentimes will say, okay, and that's often done on referendums, right? Yeah. It's yeah. Sort of, but yeah, unless people, you get buy in from people. The second group that loves them, and they are, depending on the jurisdiction, a rather potent political force is local and state law enforcement agencies. At the state level, oftentimes they get to pocket all of the money generated from assets. Oh, really? It doesn't go to the localities in some states. So that, that's, and I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to break that down. And remember, as we discussed in the previous episode, uh, Nia, with the Department of Justice, the federal program, Okay, they get a cut, okay, of assets seized by the feds if they've cooperated. Right, because one of the things we were talking about was that it, the law encourages all of the agencies up and down from local to state to federal to work together because they all get um, credit, basically. Yeah, just to give you an example of how much money the feds have made. And this is just one example with one effort, okay? So the asset forfeiture program run by the Department of Justice, post 9-11 terrorist attacks, the feds have taken in over $2.5 billion and over 61,000, nearly 62,000 cash seizures per the federal civil forfeiture program they've taken 2.5 billion dollars in cash just cash That's we're not, not talking about have to do with the boat with augie's boat or his <laughs> leather shoes or his coffee mug which if you don't know what i'm talking about see last episode yes but it, aside from those things just straight up cash. i walked in and took cash money 
Yes. Okay. $2.5 billion in 22 years. If That's local money. If local and state law enforcement cooperate with the feds, they can pocket up to 80% of the proceeds. So, <laughs> so of that $2.5 billion, that's only 20%. Theoretically, yes. Of, of what so, yeah. may or may not mm-hmm. have come into their hands. Okay. So that figure could be more like 10 or $12 billion total. Yes. Holy cow, that's starting to be real money, Augie. In 42 states, at least half of the profits from asset seizures. And again, this is money, jewelry, cars, homes, okay, goes directly to law enforcement, which means that law enforcement can say to state and local governments, if you give us free reign with asset forfeiture, you won't have to allocate as much money to law enforcement. Yes. Uh, and budgets for cars and yes, right, and all that. Oh my gosh, which is a terrible incentive for them. Oh, it's to... it's, it's an horrendous incentive. In twenty six of these states, one hundred percent of the profits go directly to law enforcement. State govern state governments don't even get a cut. Wow, in twenty six states. Yes, which encourages those twenty six states to do a lot of this. Because yes, and get police this. officers get the money. Oh, my God. This is how they're able to buy surplus military tanks and, you know, all the toys and stuff that I, – and I shouldn't say toys, but all the we, equipment. We have local and state police departments that have SWAT units that are – Better armed than our federal defense. That are comparable or in some cases exceed the capacity <laughs> – Okay, of nation states. Right. right. Watch out, Canada. You don't have to fear the U.S. federal government. You may have. You have to fear Detroit well, yeah, or you, whoever. Yeah, right. I don't. I shouldn't say Detroit because I don't know if they have high seizures. No, you. You know, you, you need. You need to fear Wisconsin, Minnesota, right? Right. Because right, wow. Okay. And We're not gonna, even the state government you need to fear a police department within yes wow and okay. get this in over half the states there is no reporting requirement in regards to how much money they actually raised through asset forfeiture see and that is a huge problem to me that's the yeah. problem that makes my face scrunch up the most yes is that if there is no transparency then these abuses Okay, let me a, a completely different example, but uh, it parallels to me. The the what we know of the Ferguson Police Department is that they were regularly um, finding and arresting African Americans in Ferguson, and because there was no transparency from the Ferguson Police Department, even though people complained and said, "Hey, this is happening," there was no way for state officials or federal, federal officials, officials to really know yes. until they did investigations and they did a lot of so, – so like that is a terrible – it is terrible that police departments don't have to have a reporting mechanism in 29 states. 
where they tell you where they got the money, how they got the money, what the justification was for taking it. Like, And listeners, if you think that Nia and I are anti-law enforcement, we are not. We are not. What we are is in favor of, and if you think about the origin of this podcast, right? right. We want Americans, okay, to access government documents so they can be better informed, okay, and make better choices, okay, as participants in the democracy. Right. You can't... Guy's favorite substance in the world is sunshine. Yes, right? Because sunshine, okay. sh- throwing a light on something. And by the way, there could be any number of good reasons why asset forfeiture has increased. Maybe we find out it has not increased, but we don't know because there aren't requirements to tell us. Right. Okay. And we don't know how much money is sloshing around in that system. That's right. Because if you don't have to report it, that means that it can be spent on all kinds of. You know, so if a police department says we don't have money to hire a full complement of officers, but yet they're pulling in, you know, a quarter of a million, a half a million, a million dollars every year on asset forfeiture. I want to know, as somebody who might live in that community, well, where in the heck, where where in the heck is that money going? Right. Okay. Right. Or worse, or worse to me, we don't have enough money for police officers. We need to start seizing stuff so that we can generate enough money. Which then leads me to want to ask questions of elected officials. Well, why aren't we allocating enough money? Exactly. Okay. Um, Because this is providing, I would argue, perverse incentives, okay, simply because you as elected officials don't have the guts or will to go ahead and say to the voters, hey, we have to make tough choices. And if we don't make tough choices – then we're going to have law enforcement, okay, engaged in behaviors that you might find troubling. Okay? Yeah. I, I, that's where transparency comes in here. Exactly. You, you can't – The law should not be opaque. It yeah. should be clear to everybody how it's being administered, who it's being administered to, and that it's being equitably administered, right? There. Yeah. Because otherwise you get to, to people's arguments of – certain communities are more targeted than others. That's right. And, okay. You know, all those other, but you have on here a, 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 a thing that I have to admit made me do the silent screen thing when I was reading your notes. So in 27 states, law enforcement needs to demonstrate a preponderance of the evidence. <laughs> 27 states, the bar is that low. Yeah. That, it's more likely than not that the property is related to con- to criminal conduct. Yes. In 14 states, law enforcement only needs probable cause. Only Nebraska and Wisconsin require proof beyond a reasonable doubt for civil asset forfeiture. Yes. So basically two states, two states out of 50 or or flip it around. 41 out of the 50 states, okay, have the the evidentiary uh, standard, okay, is so low, okay, that I could get over it. That yeah. part is so low that I could get over it. Okay, and and 
and and this is the next level of criticism, Nia. I mean, and as the const, you know, as a constitutional law weenie, this just drives me nuts, right? I mean, one of the hallmarks of the American legal system is due process of law, right? Okay, but if you think about, for instance, just the civil forfeiture part of this discussion, right? They can take the asset. And then it may not be an, uh, until another half year later that you actually get your day in court. That means, okay, that the asset has been taken from you, and then you have to demonstrate, not the government, but you have to demonstrate that the asset was not used by you in a criminal enterprise. Yeah, to me, eight states require that the owner of the seized property prove innocence. Uh, that, to me, excuse the expression, that's ass backwards, right. right? Okay, I'm sorry, okay? The burn should be on the government, okay? Right. You the have to prove that this was used in a crime. Yes. Or it was, or that it is used from the proceeds of a crime, like that it was purchased from the proceeds, from proceeds of a crime. You have two ways you can go about that, but you have to prove that rather than me having to prove that the asset is innocent. And, and Why does the asset not have the assumption of innocence that we have and Nia, as the basis of American, 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 be, basis American, of American, American law. law? And Nia, I read a couple studies, okay, one by a, a, a liberal think tank and another by conservative, where over half of the people whose assets have been seized don't even bother going to court, okay, because they think it's a waste of time or that they think they're going to lose. Well, if you're law enforcement and you're the government and you basically know that more than like more times than not, the person is not going to challenge, okay, your asset for, you know, your asset seizure. Again, what would stop you? Where's the disincentive right. to go ahead and take people's property? And, and, in August, notes, he has, for more, in more than 80% of asset forfeiture cases, the owner of the property is never charged for the crime. Never. Never. <laughs> I'm like... Which is, like, how is that even a thing, right? Like, Augie and I are both, and probably in part, and I'm going to go here just briefly, probably in part it's because, because we have middle-class white privilege. This doesn't happen to mm -hmm. us generally this has not happened to us i don't know if august assets have ever been seized but mine nope. have never been seized nope so it wouldn't even occur to me that you could seize my assets and never charge me with a crime like uh, i've i've known people okay um as recently as a couple years ago uh, uh a guy in my neighborhood um where you know one day i was <laughs> going for a run and i saw uh, a tow truck show up Okay, with a local police department car, right? They took his his truck. I stopped my run. I started talking to my neighbor, and I said, "What's going on?" And he goes, "They just seized my truck." They said, um, um, uh, "The truck was used um, in in uh, you know criminal." He goes, and he pulls out. He pulls out the 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 the. The, the motion, okay, the, the court document, yeah. okay, uh, it said a criminal enterprise. And he goes, I, I, I'm not entirely sure what an enterprise is. <laughs> so, you know, I explained, you know, what enterprise means, right? Okay, um, but 
this was his only vehicle. I mean, right. the first is so now he's going to lose his job because he can't get back and forth to work. Well, in, in fact, to school, like there's all these other issues. The, in fact, Nia, the first words out of his mouth was, I'm supposed to be at work in an hour and I'm going to have to take a, an Uber because he goes, I don't have another vehicle. Right. right. OK. And this went on for months. Right. This went on for months. His word, and he asked me, what would you do? I said, get yourself a good attorney. He goes, I can't afford a good attorney. I said, to navigate this process, you're going to have to get one, right? But, you know, this is a working class dude, right? right? I mean, I've known him the entire time I've lived in this house, right? Okay, if he's engaged in criminal activity, okay. He's uh, very subtle about it. He's, yeah, and, he, and he's really good with his... <laughs> the allocation of his time because I've seen him when he's come up, when he's come home from work. Okay. He looks exhausted, right? I don't know where he's, he's, he's got the time or the energy, but I mean, to your point, okay. The way this affects, okay. Poor and working class Americans and people of color. Okay. Is despicable, right? right? Is despicable. And again, it completely flips due process on its head exactly and what we believe about ourselves as as having a, a decent criminal system is yes. that we assume your innocence and the prosecutor has to prove that you're guilty yes. before they deprive you of liberty but what they do by seizing your property is they are also depriving you of, li of liberty in the united states if you're if it's a car Yes. Or if it's a home, because now you have either no way to get to work or no place to live. Yes. So I personally, I'm not against seizure, but I, I'm thinking maybe there ought to be rules about what you can seize. Yes. And for um, how long you can seize it. Like maybe that process needs to be sped up, you know, but also should you be allowed to take a person's only vehicle and deprive them of work? Because now you're depriving them of the money to pay for a lawyer to get their stuff back, right? Like it's it's this whole horrible cycle. And if they're not guilty of a criminal activity and they're somehow able to convince a judge that the asset should be returned, okay, now you're talking about significant costs that they're going to be paying because lawyers don't come cheap, right? They may have lost their job or they may have lost their house, or there may have been opportunities that they had to forego simply because they spent a whole bunch of time in court trying to explain that, no, I didn't use my you know, automobile for criminal activity. I lent it to a friend, right? I was doing a friend a solid, okay? And now you are punishing me because I perhaps have bad choices and friends. There's not a there's not a there's criminal no criminal statute that says you can you, be a <laughs> you choose poorly with friends and we're going to put you in jail. Yeah, yeah. No. Or okay. take your stuff. I mean, Nia, there have been examples. There were cases I came across in my research where you had spouses who did not know that their spouse was engaged in criminal behavior. And they lost their car, they lost their home, et cetera, right? And again, 
you might be wondering, how could you not know, you know, the person who you're sleeping with, eating meals with, okay, et cetera, et cetera, was engaged in criminal activity. Hey, criminals are good at hiding stuff, right? Yeah, criminals by their nature tend to be liars. Okay. But, I mean, yeah. Right, because part of, part of being a criminal is being good at lying. Sure, and and you by association – Okay, or being punished. Okay. I mean, it's one thing if the government is forced to go ahead and show that you were aware slash complicit. But if, again, the burden should be on the government, not on you. Right. I mean, this assumption that, okay, that you knew, okay, a particular asset was being used in a criminal activity. Okay, just strikes me as fundamentally wrong. Okay, right. right. There's no uh, grandma in the world that wouldn't lend her car to a grandkid. Oh heck no! Hey grandma, yeah. can I borrow your car for a couple hours? Sure. I mean, I mean, you know, most parents would do that. Right. I mean, okay. Um, you know, I've lent my vehicle to some of my friends. Heck, when I used to own a pickup truck, I would have friends who would say, "Hey, Augie, I need can to I buy on Saturday? Can I borrow, borrow your, your truck?" truck right? <laughs> I didn't ask them for for a full itinerary. Right. Okay, all I wanted to know was when they returned my truck, did they ha- they put a full tank of gas in the truck? I I think that a solution to this could be that the law enforcement agencies do not get to keep the money or the property. That it must be turned over to the state and it goes into a state fund and they have to get their budget needs met just the way every other agency does through state budgeting process. Yeah, I think it would help curb some of the excesses that are probably happening in some places. Yeah, because if you could reduce some of the incentives... Okay, it for would be law. more thoughtfully done. People would yes. do it in a more yes. thoughtful way. I way. think they wouldn't say, uh, "Well, we'll just get the money because we need money to do a cool thing." They would say, "Oh, well, then money's not coming to us. Let's make sure we've dotted our eyes and crossed our t's." The other thing is, we need transparency. All states yeah. need to report this. Yeah. How much did you take? Who did you take it from? Yes. What was the resolution of the case? Yes. Because we need to stop this. Eighty percent of people never even being charged for the crime, but we take their stuff and we keep it. Yeah. Okay. Not this, cool. Yeah. This idea that that's all, bullying. Yeah. I mean, this idea that you could just show up one day, take somebody's car, and then force them to go through a long, complicated process just to get an asset back. Okay. Yeah. Well, and we don't even know whether, I mean, what we do know is that in some places, the corruption is so deep that those assets are immediately sold or liquidated or whatever. They don't even wait the 180 days. Nia, the first car I ever purchased was an old Ford Fairmont from a local police department auction. Right. And when I was doing research for these two podcast episodes, all I kept on thinking was I may have bought somebody's assets, okay, at auction. Probably did. Okay. And, Without and, knowing that you might be depriving a person, like yeah. you're not part of the problem there because you're not. No, but but nevertheless, to your point, okay, um, we need transparency right. because I want to know, 
you know, how quickly do, you know, uh, law enforcement agencies turn around and sell these assets, right? Right. Okay. Because you're doing it within, <laughs> even within that 180 days, that's unacceptable. Yes. Okay. And But I assume that what police would say is we don't have the space to keep all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, then you shouldn't take all that, all that stuff. stuff, right? Okay. That's yeah. like me saying, I have too much stuff. I'm just going to buy a bigger house. Well, no. wait a minute. Why don't you just go through your stuff and stuff. weed? Yeah, right. Okay. You know, you know, a police officer saying, <clears throat> well, you know, I, I don't know anything about jewelry, so we just sold it. Well, then perhaps you shouldn't have taken the jewelry, right? right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, and we sold I, it for pennies on the dollar. You know, and I, you know, I'd be like, well, then perhaps you shouldn't take the stuff, right? Because right. if you're not experts in boats, then what the heck are you doing <laughs> seizing boats, right? right? Where are you going to put it? What are you going to do with it? How are you going to even take care of it? Yeah. Okay. So uh, Hawk and I have some pretty pretty serious problems with this, it, it, with it, this it, overall program. Although, again, we would say that if – that if a person like Escobar who goes to who goes to trial and is found guilty of a lot of heinous crimes, I don't mind taking his stuff. You know no. what? You 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 played the game and you played it poorly and now you've lost, right? Like that's how that works. Give him yeah, give him due process and if at the end of the day he's found guilty, okay, fine. Okay. Then, then but but great, take all his stuff, including his hippos. Do whatever you want to do. Okay. But this idea of I'm gonna need your shoes, Mr. Ogenbach. <laughs> well, I have to walk to my car. Well, that's too bad. I'm gonna need them right now. Yeah, I mean, just because your shoes were guilty of committing a crime. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, and we can probably get a pretty good amount of money for those shoes. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. That, that's the thing. Yeah, it could encourage potentially those levels of abuses that are just not not yeah. okay and they're not okay even if somebody's a criminal yeah if somebody's a criminal like our guy tim's right i mean he did a thing right he did a thing and he and he said he was guilty yes but he did a little thing and he got a giant hammer yes you know brought down on him and he's like but but wait, that, that's, that seems out of, okay, Mr. Agamba, we caught you jaywalking, so we're going to have you shot. Like, yeah, wait, yeah. what? Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I mean. It, we it, try it, not it, to do that in in criminal court, right? We try not to do this sort of excessive. Yeah, I mean, there is a prohibition against cruel and unusual punishment. There's right. a prohibition on excessive fines, okay? But, you know, when somebody's found guilty, of drug possession, okay, for a couple hundred dollars worth of drugs. You want to take their, their you know, forty thousand dollar plus, you know, <laughs> Range Rover. I'm kind of sort of thinking that's a little much. That's a little much, right? Yeah. You know, and, and again, there are too many examples to where asset forfeiture, okay, was not excessive, right? Okay. Again, I, I keep on. I, I hate to keep on. Uh, uh, coming back to the Bernie Madoff example, but what that guy did, okay? He deserved it. He deserved it, right? And then some. Yeah, okay. And there was money they couldn't find because yeah, he, yeah. He I mean, because caviar and drunk champagne and, and the, well, I mean, and, you know, all and, those assets and, were and, gone. I mean, and if the crime that you you know committed was a financial Ponzi scheme, yeah, you're good at hiding assets, 
Right. Okay. Right. There's problems. <laughs> I mean, by the nature of the crime, that's one thing. But, you know, if we're talking about somebody who loans their car to their son and then the son uses the vehicle with his friends to k- commit armed robbery, how how is that the parents? Why should that why should the parents be punished if the parent didn't know that that was what the son was going to use the car for? Right. OK. And most people's kids don't say, I'm going to go commit armed robbery. I'll be back in a couple of hours. <laughs> yeah. Hey, mom, can I borrow the car? I want to go rob a bank. <laughs> yeah. Your mom's going to say uh, no. I mean, I, I, I keep on thinking back to the negotiations between me and my mom <laughs> when I wanted to borrow the car, right? right? I mean, I basically had to get swear a blood oath with a detailed itinerary. And if I was more than just a minute or two late, I would lose access to the vehicle for a month. Yeah, right? you probably technically at some point agreed to give her Mac. <laughs> yeah. Your firstborn, yeah, right? right? You know what I mean? Like you probably at some point agreed to be like, okay, I'll give you, you know, yeah, to, in order to get the, that. That and um, to the conservative uh, point of view of property matters. Yes. Property matters. You don't get to live in a capitalist society where you tell everybody that they got to bootstrap up into the middle or upper middle class and they got to buy stuff and they got to be whatever. You don't get to tell people that and then take their stuff. Like that's not. No, I mean, and again. That's not okay. And if we know that assets are what help people pass things on from generation to generation, which we do know, housing is. And that's huge in families of color. Right, because again, that's they have part been deprived of that's that what, for two hundred years, and that's what they've been told is part of the American dream. Right, you work hard, okay, and, and you you, you yeah you achieve things. you achieve middle class status, okay. Give those things to your kids. kids, and they won't have it as rough as you did. Right. Sorry, kids, I can't go ahead and, you know, give you the house that you were born and raised in because the feds just, you know, seized it. Right. Right. It's it's okay. Wrong. That That's wrong. Okay. That's wrong on so many levels. Okay. And it contributes to the to the overall problem with people of color building wealth and building assets. And, and we because act. They are. They and are, then we act shocked. And then, Nia, we act shocked when um, um, uh, people of color and poor people say, I don't trust the system. Right. Really? We're shocked by this? Okay. Well, and can I just throw out here that if if property can be seized at any moment, then property becomes less meaningful. Yes. So if there is a problematic situation in your city there and you decide to and not you personally but you as folks as a group decide to riot it can't be surprising that there's property damage no if what the government has told you is that property can be seized at any moment and nothing is really yours yeah then why would you have any respect for yeah because the idea of property or ownership if you've been told that you can't yeah, once Rely once on that, that yeah, can. once once that gets devalued, right. then we we should not be surprised that we have communities that have been oppressed that go ahead and say, well, we're never going to own it anyways, okay? 
Um, or even if we do own it, you can take you, it at any moment. Yeah, right. Yeah. And make us work to get it back rather than yeah. the other way around. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's, yeah. there's, well, on so, that happy note, Augie. No, but again, you know, listeners, think about what Nia said just a few moments ago. Okay. Um, what we're suggesting here is that there is some value to the program or programs, but like many things that the government does, we have now enough evidence to suggest that significant improvements need to be made. And these improvements are constitutional, theoretical, and in, in very practical, right? Okay. Um, and, uh, and, 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 and president, yet another thing for you to help me take care of. Well, you know, and, and you know, elected officials, uh, Nia, sometimes you like to joke, you know, if elected officials are listening, you need to work on this. Now, yeah. of course, you know, I don't know how many are listening, but you, you know, need to work on this. We need to work on this because yeah. there are very troublesome aspects to this program. Agreed. Thanks, Nia. Thank you, Augie. You've been listening to Civil Discourse, brought to you by VCU Libraries. Opinions expressed are solely the speaker's own and do not reflect the views or opinions of VCU or VCU Libraries. Special thanks to the Workshop for Technical Assistance. Music by Isaac Hobson. Find more information at guides.library.vcu.edu slash discourse. As always, no documents were harmed in the making of this podcast.